great mother, father, God. A divine child of the great mother, father, God. I'm a divine child of the great mother, father, God. A divine child of the great mother, father, God. I am great mother that stills my voice of the Holy Spirit and divine mother. Cosmic womb, deep space, the moon. Dark matter, the void, the black hole, Hatter, Isis, Diana. Mommy, Easter, Kylie, Mammy, and Mother Mary. Terrestrial, celestial, feminine nature, I unconditionally love you. Hello, divine one caught in the net of your creation. You were not doomed to it. I am here to unravel and remind you, you are loved. Signs and symbols of astrology, chemistry, geology, geometry, numerology, botany, and biology. Don't you remember? with someone two weeks ago, I think, and we did a regression and it was incredible, but she was blown away by the inner child work. So, uh, you know, it's just about claiming that little girl within us, that wounded little girl that we still carry inside of us. And when we can heal and help her feel she's not alone. Oh, wow. I've got goosebumps. Um, that's where the real healing happens and where we can begin to break the, the chains, so to speak, the, so that we can heal the past, so that we can heal the future with our daughters, our nieces even, you know. It's, it's powerful work, as you know, you're doing it. And that's what we're doing today on the Mama Drama Trauma Healing Oracle Deck Podcast with Patricia McGivern, past life regressionist and author of Soul Explorer, Healing Through Past Life Regression. And that's certainly an experience that I've had with this woman in my Mama Drama Trauma healing journey. Healing past lives. We're healing the past and the future. Those lives do carry into this present life. Hope you enjoy it. This is our reading for today. It is a deep read with Patricia McGivern into that intuitive soul space where the affliction of mama drama trauma resides, the condition in which the mother projects unhealed aspects of herself onto her child, causing emotional and or physical trauma in cases where she is unwilling, unable, or unavailable to heal herself. The child must live in loving detachment in order to be happy, healthy, and whole. That is our daily practice. And for me, this experience with Patricia McGivern has been an absolute benchmark in my healing life. It allowed me to transcend my ego, my biography, this life, as Tammy Taylor, 
to see the other lifetimes in which I've shared with my mother and how that affliction has carried over into this lifetime in order for me to heal it. So I, I always love when I get to talk to you because it's I don't care whether it's just us one-on-one -on -one or we're in a whole group of people. And that's usually people that have also been blessed by what you do, supporting mm -hmm. you and your family practice. Yeah. So, um, you know, tell us just what that practice is and um, how it came about. Well, um, good question. <laughs> it began <laughs> really literally several decades ago now. Uh, uh, it really began my interest in hypnosis with the loss of a miscarried baby. And four and a half years after the loss of that baby, I began hearing from the baby, um, literally hearing as I was waking up from a nap, I'm right here, I'm right here. And thinking it was my daughter who had come after the loss of that baby and uh, nobody was there. And so that began a, a series for four years uh, of receiving messages from this child I wouldn't say I was completely metaphysical then, but I was probably a lot more open than I realized. And, but I have to admit, I thought I might be losing my mind. <laughs> so I would ask my mental health therapist uh, husband, you know, is this the beginning of when you lose it? Because I'm, I'm hearing things. And uh, so it, it kind of began there. And the message from that baby was, I learned, and I kind of knew intuitively, but I talked myself out of it, um, but it was confirmed the baby was my dad returning to me. And he chose not to come because in the not coming, it would propel me on my spiritual path. And boy, has it. So uh, I've got goosebumps even telling that story again. Uh, it took, uh, I was also told to write a book titled Angel Babies. Um, and I learned that my miscarried baby was a little boy named Dylan. And he said it's to help heal the mommies who've lost their babies. So um, my story really began with that and all of the experiences, not only that I had, but when I uh, researched people throughout the world who had had them, I knew that I wasn't going crazy and that these things happen, but it sparked it. One of the things I did, of course, was I began reading everything I could on reincarnation, past life regression, near-death experiences. And it was like, you may have had this time in your spiritual growth as well, Tammy, where you just, you can't get enough. You know, mm -hmm. you've got the books piled up like, well, well then what happens, you know? And then and so I, um, I just read everything I could, and it was just remembering that the baby was my dad returning to me. And, you know, when you lose a child as a mother, you take on the responsibility of that loss, like you did something wrong. And what I learned through 
what I heard from my father as well as all of these other parents and, and then later on uh, in regressions and, and in talking to the babies, they choose, we all choose on a soul level when we come, what experiences we want to have in this life to help our soul grow and our parents, maybe one parent more than the other, um, the circumstances, it's kind of, um, you know, it just kind of blows your mind when you realize we chose all of this. And so even to this day now, when things happen that, you know, typically aren't comfortable for me, I stop and think, what am I supposed to learn from this? If I'm having this experience to help me in some way, what is it I need to learn from it? So I'm kind of spiraling all over now, but that's well, no, you, I mean, that's exactly what uh, daddy drama trauma mm-hmm. will teach you. And then losing your child will teach you that kind of <laughs> reflection. Mm-hmm. When you go through pain, because that's the deepest pain. And so it's just really a practice when that kind of pain comes so that deep. Right. And it's, and it's because you can go that deeply, others can too. So you eventually learn so much, including going to the Edgar Casey estate and everything. Um, yes, you remember being, that, yes. And being, <laughs> yeah, and being taught by, you know, Michael, the initial, uh, quote-unquote, uh, conventional orthodox doctor who uh, said, um, you know, hey, I'm getting clients that are going into this deep soul state. What's his name? Michael what? Dr. Brian Weiss. is. Uh, that was the first book I read. It's Many Lives, Many Masters. Uh, he's a Yale graduate, didn't believe in any of this. And his client, he was using hypnosis, which is shocking in and of itself. But the client spontaneously regressed into another lifetime and told him about his baby that he had lost, that nobody in Miami, he was in charge of the Sinai um, um, Hospital, I think it's called in Miami. Um, nobody knew that he had lost this baby. And not only did a, a guide come through, a client, to tell him this, but also the baby's like Jewish name and that and exactly how he died, which was a very rare condition that, that really nobody knew about. So right. that was the first book I read. And, uh, you know, you read books like that and you're just like, your eyes are wide and you're like blink, blink, you know, and yet <laughs> it all makes sense. When you, when you hear this, he, you know, he doubted as well, but became a believer and, so when I ended up training with him for past life regression, it felt like it had all come full circle, mm-hmm. you know, like it's amazing how we really are guided when we look back, you know, how things are placed in front of us or choices we make or even books we, you know, end up reading. People will say, what book should I read? It's like, I can give you a list, but see what you're drawn to because your soul knows 
which one to choose first, you know? Well, I was drawn to you at um, the Unitarian Universalist Church when you were promoting um, angel babies that went around the world and women were responding to you by the hundreds that they had had similar experiences with their babies. Yes. And you came and you told us, and I said, oh my gosh, this lady is about to change the world. (laughs) And I I had been grieving, grieving, grieving my mother and the abortions that I had, that uh, terminations is a much softer word I learned when I went to school in England. Of course, so smart, but not using birth control, you know, just sick in that part of the body, you know, Mm -hmm. clouded in my judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. with regard, just out of touch with that part of my body. You know, yeah. but the upper half on fire, masters right. of economics, you know. <laughs> okay, but it's just crazy. And you came to me that way that those books that we need at a certain time will come to us. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could explain to us the difference between, of course, you know, what you do and the difference between what you do as a regressionist and what we're starting to hear as soul retrieval. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with soul retrieval? Yes. I mean, I think you could put a lot of names on it, and it may be the same type of thing. You know, it's just branding. <laughs> um, you know, when we go back, everything is filed by emotion in the subconscious mind. So when we go back to where this feeling inside of us first began, whatever that, if we can, you know, get to that feeling before we go into hypnosis or as we're getting into it and then ask the soul, take us back to where this first began. Sometimes, you know, um, it's not necessarily with the mother you have in this life. It could be a mother you've had in another life. It, it could even, you know, it can show up in different ways. It could be someone you don't even know, but but there's a theme. Your soul knows exactly where to go. And that's, I can't believe I've been doing this 22 years and I'm still blown away and amazed by, you know, where the soul takes us. And it's always the right place to go. It always is. And Mm -hmm. you took me there. And I would sit in your office, Patricia, looking out that window when you were talking. And you would ask me things. And I would just look out that window. Remember over there? And that you had that water up on the side? Yeah. And I I would look out that window. And I would just be in, like you said, in awe. Yeah. In awe of what the spirit was. You were... Um, interpreting like you know you were like interpreting what my soul was trying to tell me and I was like really you want me to answer that (laughs) (laughs) you haven't asked me that before (laughs) I think I even really thought about that and I thought I was spiritual (laughs) Wow. So you took me there. And so 
it just kind of shook me out of a stupor going into this space that I had been going to all my life as a as a protection. And let me say this about mama drama trauma that is very important to understand is that when we're talking about trauma, as you know, everybody is so different. And so it's really about unmet needs. Mm-hmm. They're just needs that we have that are unmet. And when you get to go into this deep soul space, you find out it really has nothing to do with this mother or, 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 or you here and now. This deep pain goes into perhaps a relationship you have had before under similar circumstances, but left off, you're here to dissolve it this lifetime, and you're doing it because you love each other so much. You want to grow, you want to evolve, and you get all of this information, not from books anymore, but from your own Akashic record. Beautiful, that's beautifully said, yeah. Tell us how you guide us through that as a past life regressionist, Patricia. Well, I first of all, I'm a very visual person. So as you were talking about, you know, when you were in L- London, right? When you were in uh-huh. London, uh-huh. all of a sudden I, I got the image from the movie I have of you in my head of you being there. I remember the story, you know, but um, moving on to, you know, the... I think this is a very good example of how how it all works. Um, I'm going to tell you a story of a client of mine, Jenny, who was actually the she was the inspiration for my next book, Soul Explore: Healing Through Past Life Regression. And she didn't know I did past life regression. She came to me for a fear of heights, and. Um, she spontaneously regressed into another lifetime. And afterwards she said, whatever that was, I want to do that again. Like that was cool. (laughs) And so uh, we began working together for the next couple of years. But one of her experiences I want to share with you and your audience, because I just think it's, it helps you to look at things completely differently She regressed back to a time when she was a Jewish girl in Poland, and it was during World War II. Her boyfriend had been taken already, and she was being loaded up, um, and they were put on trains. She, We've heard these stories. We've read these stories. We've seen movies about these stories. But I'm going to tell you, as a hypnotist, sitting next to somebody talking about it, And I mean, I'm in the movie with her because she was so detailed in the information being the stench that she smelled and how she can't stand the smell of a feces today like nobody can. But she said, literally, she will begin to gag. And um, she said it was so bad in the train. It's just... Like, that's just a small thing that a smell can trigger something. Anyway, they it was at the end of the war. They get off the train. They're immediately sent to the gas chamber. She was. She said she wasn't 
they didn't stop to tattoo her. Um, they didn't later when we began researching, we couldn't, she had she got her full name in hypnosis. We couldn't find her uh, in, on the list of names. Probably not uncommon, but we were hoping to find it. As she was standing in the gas chambers with grandmothers and babies, she said, they just put everybody in there together. Her last thoughts were, if only I wouldn't have loved or been loved, this would be easier. Mm. She went through the death process. On the other side now, um, before we come back to the earth plane, we have guides um, who help us uh, kind of decide what we're going to be doing in this lifetime, what, what we're going to work on, and uh, that we choose with them. Once in a while, you're nudged more than you may want to be, but you know that there's a purpose in it. And as she's in this planning stage meeting with her guides in front of her, uh, they quickly said, you have to unlearn this thought. Well, how do you unlearn something until you experience being unloved and not wanted or, you know, unlovable and not loving others. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, her mother in this lifetime was standing behind her and volunteered to be a bad mother for her so that she would have an opportunity to see what it feels like and to eventually heal herself. Later, she would tell me that she has never felt such love from her mother in this lifetime at any point as she did in that planning stage. And she kept repeating, she volunteered, she volunteered like she couldn't believe she volunteered because she was so um, badly injured. As a child, she has no hearing in her left ear as a result of the abuse of her mother. Uh, and she was hospitalized several times in kindergarten from the abuse. Now, remember that we have free will when we get here. And even though her mom was supposed to be a bad mom, you know, I do have to wonder sometimes, like, could you tone it down a little bit? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but, um, but anyways, uh, that was her, her childhood was traumatic and she did not feel loved. And she ended up seeing my husband, again, a mental health counselor, before she came to see me. And she told me later that <clears throat> understanding that her mother volunteered to be this horrible mother so she, she would have the experience so that in her mind one day she would find my husband she would find me and she would heal from this experience like I've got goosebumps talking about it it's mm -hmm. it's just powerful that that can happen and so today she has healed that wound mm -hmm. along with many others um and her fear of heights is gone as well, which is what right. she came, came into me for. Hey, that mama drama trauma, when it's healed, it uproots a lot of weeds around it. Mm -hmm. That's the deep 
deep, strong root. And you pull that weed up, you're pulling a whole bunch of others up with it. And I've seen that too. I mean, with myself and others, it takes, you know, like anything, it takes time, it takes commitment, it takes effort. But when you have these kind of tools to assist you, you make leaps and bounds. It's true. What a great analogy with the weeds. Once you get to the root, the core of it, and you can heal that, or and in understanding, there can be a healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you're in this in-between state, as you know. It's uh, it's a powerful state that we actually go in and out of throughout the day without realizing it. Uh, it's that time when we're waking up from a nap or in the morning and we're in that in-between state or sometimes even driving the car and you get somewhere and you're like, whoa, who is driving the car because you're busy in your mind? Scrolling it, on social media. Yes, it's actually a light state of hypnosis. But really, as you know, what it's like is kind of like a guided meditation where you just go in, you go quiet, you let go and see what comes up, knowing you're always protected. Your soul's only going to show you what you were ready to see. And it may go in a different direction than sometimes even what you came into me to see, because maybe you need to look at this before you look at the next thing. You know, there's there's a greater wisdom within us that I so respect uh, because I've been schooled, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't mean in this one just from my clients' experiences. I have been taught over and over again, just almost like get people to the right state, ask the questions. You know, as you know, I don't say. You know, like, so then you you got on a train to go to Auschwitz. You know, I don't, I just say things like, what happened next? Go to the next important event in your life, in the lifetime you find yourself in. Um, You know, who's there? You know, sometimes people are very visual and they can see everything. Sometimes clients don't see anything, but there's just a knowing I don't see a barn. I just somehow know it's there, um, you know. Or that smell that the that she had that that smell. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It'd, it'd be one of the senses, and so for me, the senses and going back to lifetimes and regressions that I've had with you in group and um, personally, I know that. Um, you know, for me, I, I just take away that general feeling of what was being said. But um, I had this through line in total. I had five, and I had a line of a theme that was running through all of them. Um, and that is what made me focus on mama drama trauma. I didn't want to leave what I was doing when I met you to go on the circuitous, you know, route um, from being, you know, pretty much one of the original people doing podcasts, actually, um, in this area. Yeah. And to now just be doing this, it wasn't something that I um, was looking to do, but I saw lifetimes that were showing me where... I was alienating myself 
from people mm-hmm. in some, some way. I was cutting myself off, whether I was a slave girl uh, um, of a lesbian slave owner in the antebellum South, and I had somehow been able to exploit myself in that way in relationship with her to alienate myself from being in in in, in the fields, mm-hmm. you know, and the hard work and the hard labor and all of that, you know. But that theme of alienating myself, I also saw as a little German blonde-haired girl who was an orphan in Germany, or Holland, I think it was, and um, being taken you know, by a social worker to who I believe in this life is my current, is my, is one of my brothers. He was a farmer. Mm. I was this little girl. I was adopted by a farmer. Mm. And it was this kind of, you know, whatever it was, I wasn't grounded with um, my family. Mm-hmm. It was the little blonde-haired girl who was an orphan, or whether it was the uh, slave girl, you know, um, whether you know, prostituting herself away from her family, away from the hardness. Like your other client who said, "Oh my gosh, it wouldn't be so bad if I hadn't had people love me, and I didn't love people." You know, it was it, right. it was it was avoiding that being too close to love in such a painful, you know, situation. And it was mm-hmm. that theme that kept coming up. No matter where I go, where I look at it, a group regression. I was um, my current mother, Native American girl, and we, you know, we were just kind of shuffled around the tribe because my father had died. You know, there, there was this there was just always something that was bringing me back to you're not getting the love that you need. You're not getting the love that you need, you know, how it, it shook up. And I had to go on the, it, it took me on this um, journey of, is that true? You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, why are, why are we having this, cycle that keeps running over and over again because I had another regression um, when I was my mother's mother and um, you know it was it was just really something that was making me realize that it was in more than one lifetime that mm-hmm. we had gone through this cycle. And was I going to stop the cycle this lifetime or was I going to just continue to have it continue going? And I didn't want to have another regression and and do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to do that again because that would have been my sixth one. And I was getting the message loud and clear. (laughs) It was just, <laughs> you know, so I said, I've got to do something, right? If something's going to change, I guess I'm the one. <laughs> and I looked around, and sure enough, <laughs> there There's was just me in the there. room. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting, is somebody going to come and, 
and take care of this. <laughs> that would be you, ma'am. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it, it was a, a very gentle, loving nudge from the cosmos through you to me. Look, sister, you don't like your life. This is why. Mm -hmm. And you have everything you need to address it. You're just going to have to do that. And and just start where you are. You know, just start where you are. Yes. Just look around. Keep looking around. Okay, you found you. That's good. That's a good start. You found you. Yes, you are the one who's going to have to do something about this. That's good. Now what? Look around. What are you seeing? What's true? What's not true? And that discipline is established in that dialogue with you, that internal dialogue. There's a discipline to it. Like you said, you don't ask closed-in questions that only require a yes or no answer. You ask opened-in questions that we fill in those blanks. And there's some kind of order that you have with that kind of like you have to do the prayer and opening of the Akashic records, you know, mm -hmm. I can feel there's a rhythm, you know, to what you're doing and that loving nudge, just saying, come on, you know, like a, a, a that mother that you were wanting to be to Dylan, but you are to your clients, you know, mm -hmm. that's beautiful, Tammy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we feel it. We feel that's why we love you. <laughs> and how are you doing today with your mom issues? You know, I am living in loving detachment from my mother today because she just um, does not want to heal at this particular time. And... Yeah. Um, I have learned to accept that um, I don't need permission to heal myself. Right. And uh, once again, I was going to have to give myself that. But those are the two things that we learn with Mama Drama Trauma. What you said, we are here to evolve in self-love and spiritual independence. That's our soul contract. Everyone is here to do that to some degree, but if you have mama drama trauma, that is what you are here to do. That's exactly right. Whatever your biggest issues are in this life, that's what you're supposed to be working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And look at you. You had the courage to do that. Because as you recall, you know, it's it's going back and, and retrieving that part of you that was wounded in another lifetime and in healing that and letting it go so that you have an easier time now just setting boundaries, basically, with your mom. Um, that for now, um, for today, mm -hmm. we can't have a relationship because now you're in a very healthy place. And sometimes the only way it's going to stay that way is staying out of toxic relationships. Right. And that's something that you taught me, too. You know, um, I really observe, you know, I'm, I'm uh, like a lot of people with MDT are highly sensitive uh, people. And you kind of had to be to survive. You had to be able to anticipate mama's moods to survive. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. so you're like real, you know, or you're very, very rebelliously, aggressively resisting that because it feels too controlling. We're either on one of the continuum or the other. Mm-hmm. And um, I would sense from you that you have very healthy boundary. You know, I um, felt that you knew that I had a certain level of toxicity and you demonstrated to me how to lovingly have that boundary when you're working with clients because Mm. I was a mess (laughs) and you treated me like a normal person. how to do that you demonstrated how to do that because in my experience you know when you're around that kind of energy either you you are disingenuous either you're too nice because you're uncomfortable or you're too mean because you're uncomfortable there's no in between and you show me there's an in between here <laughs> you know <laughs> this is the color gray whether not black or white but gray <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, good. So, um, I just wanted to share the goodness with the world, Patricia, and that's Patricia McGivern, M C G I V E R N dot com, where you can find out more. You got some tours coming up or something, don't you? I do. So what has happened is my my first 20 years of my life, um, work life, uh, I was in the the travel industry in um, management positions at at theme parks and resorts, hotels. And to be honest, I love those jobs. (laughs) But then Mm -hmm. I had my second baby and it's like, I just want to hold my baby all day long. So I got out of the business, and um, um, by then I had, I had lost Dylan, and then you know how that story. And so suddenly it was like I was ready to go on this, uh, what, what felt like um, the road less traveled. You know, I was very concerned about what my corporate friends would think of me, and like, they're going to think I've gone crazy, and... And I understood it, but you know, when you, when you aren't open to spirit, it could sound crazy, some of the stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I have just loved this path that I've taken and it's, I can't imagine any other path. And so for that, I'm very grateful to Dylan and my dad for, for this gift, you know, that has taken me. So anyways, I... Um, I began traveling um, once my girls were out of college and I had a little extra money to sacred sites with some of my girlfriends and I loved it and then a friend of mine and I took a group out to Sedona and it's like you know what I do like doing this I didn't think I you know I know how much work goes into it so I wasn't sure I would she had to kind of convince me to do it with her and I liked it so much, I really wanted to take people to France. And 
the divine feminine really called to me, Mary Magdalene and Southern France with Cathars and Knights Templars. And so I began um, taking people to places like that, small groups. And now I go to uh, sacred Scotland, uh, sacred Ireland, England, like Stonehenge. We go inside the stones as the sun is setting with a Druid priest. I try to find people in each region that will talk to us and, and lend more expertise on the land. And it's it's been amazing. Um, I had a trip planned for Egypt and literally 24 hours before we were supposed to leave, it was canceled from the pandemic. And I also had a trip planned to Machu Picchu in Peru uh, in the fall. And as you know, everything was canceled last year and almost this year too. So um, I'm excited to get back in and now I'm doing one uh, next month, a forest bathing into wholeness retreat in Northeast Georgia. And it's really my personal sacred site because my husband and I built a cabin there years and years ago. And uh, it's where I go to get balanced and centered and grounded. And um, I didn't understand why I felt so good in the trees until I began reading about forest therapy. The Japanese call it Shinrin Koyu. And uh, it's it's fabulous how good you feel and so uh i'm gonna take a group up there and in the next march to sedona and now i go to the navajo nation i have a navajo friend there that does a private healing ceremony uh for us in a in a hogan so each place has something special and someone incredible we're gonna talk to or work with in in uh, southern france you meet the European director of the Knights Templar at uh, Rinlay Chateau, very Da Vinci Code um, themed, so to speak. Um, so they're all interesting in all these different ways. And I love it. So I do that and I do regressions. <laughs> wow. And I do, the I do the group regressions on these sacred sites too, like on in the Vortex in Sedona, at Monument Valley, um, not enough time for we, we have private entrance into Stonehenge and it goes too quickly so I don't do one there but I do one in the land nearby so to speak and so I try to, to do a, I, I do a, usually several regressions throughout each of those journeys and it just you know there's a reason we're drawn to certain parts of the world as well mm -hmm. like there may be a lifetime we need to look at in that region. And there's there's a reason we're drawn to these things. And right. I healed my daddy drama trauma in Fiji. Wow. Yeah. 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 The Melanesians over there, we have a bloodline from his current bloodline that goes back to there. And uh, it was just a matter of me being there. Mm. I needed to stand on the ground. I needed to drink yeah. the water, the Fiji water. I needed to yeah. um, make peace with a part of me that was him. And uh, it was a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of rage. And um, 
you know, the story of the Melanesians in Fiji is that they uh, wore people who wore down the eastern, wore down from Namibia to South Africa, their clothes, Central and South Africa. But then they were fighting people all the way up the East Coast to where people just kicked them and they were they were just always causing havoc and mm-hmm. um that's how they got on the boats to Fiji and um you know the languages and everything they've traced it and stuff and um that was the first trip abroad I ever took was to Eastern wow. Africa as a volunteer wow. in college wow. and so yeah. it's just yeah uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I understand. And, and that's awesome to be able to have that when you're there. Do a past life regression. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it has been amazing. One, one guy on our Divine Feminine trip uh, actually went back to being a Knights Templar. So, I mean, when I think what's interesting is for people who haven't experienced it, it's it's so powerful that there's often tears, as you know. It's um, it's a powerful experience, and when when it's appropriate and when you can do it, the research to find these people in our lives is um, it's it's amazing that we have found so many. Um, and one of mine. Uh, the client was getting information so fast. I I should have asked for her phone number, uh, but it was in the early 1900s. And I asked, you know, where do you live? And the address was 15 Patrick street. Well, we found the name of the person that she was in fact a, a New York times reporter stationed as a male in San Francisco you, you know how it is. When you're in there, there's a part of you still watching everything going on. So part of you is like, well, that doesn't make sense, she said. She, whereas I immediately knew it was probably a remote office. She she couldn't figure that out. Like, it, it must not be true. Because a part of you is questioning what you're seeing, hearing, and experiencing it sometimes. And so um, we found that... This man, who was a reporter, worked for the New York Times, lived in San Francisco, but didn't live at 15 Patrick Street. He lived at 15 Mission Street, above a building called Patrick and Company. Uh, Now, you can't make that stuff up. It's too, it's so specific, so... You know, people are like, well, is it true? I don't know if this is right. It's like, we're looking at the totality of the regression. If certain things here and there don't exactly match up, that doesn't negate the entire, you know, regression. It's like... You're looking at the totality of what you kind of went out there. um, You're looking at the totality of the regression. Not mm-hmm. trying to find something that's not right that would disqualify the entire regression. Exactly. You know, it's still going through the human mind. We're still going to make a mistake. You know, I've had clients who say their name's Josh. And if we're exploring that life further, it's like, oh, it's not Josh, it's John. You know, they can, you can correct yourself. But we have found 
probably the most powerful was another client, uh, Bobby, who regressed to being a uh, General Bridger, which nobody knows who he is, but he was the first governor of Virginia in the 1600s and um, was part of the Bacon Rebellion. And most people, when I talk about this story, they don't have any memory of the Bacon Rebellion. It's the one thing I actually remember from from history class, probably because I was hungry that day. So I remembered the Bacon Rebellion, but that's all I remembered. I didn't remember. But it was really the first war, you know, it was against the British, and we were trying to, as Americans, trying to... So we found the descendants of General Bridger. If I call him Colonel, I was corrected and firmly to the point where I sat up straight in my seat when my client was General Bridger. And um, we found him and there were so many facts that he, he told us in the regression that we were able to validate and find the descendants of who actually believe, and this is the Deep South, they don't believe in this stuff, but when they talked to Bobby, they did believe. And um, it just, it's fascinating, you know? It's just fascinating to me. Wow. I had, I had one woman who, um, who came to me several times um, over six months' time, and then... Uh, finally, I don't know, maybe she wanted to see, you know, how trustworthy I was. And she just kind of quietly said, uh, you know, I'm just curious, you know, if I was Mary Todd Lincoln. And I said, well, I don't know. Let's see. Now, I've got to say, most people, you know, people will say to me, oh, I bet you see Elvis. Elvis has never come through to me. <laughs> You know, but I'm sure he's reincarnated somewhere. But <laughs> so her regression was so detailed, I could describe the room she was in from what she was telling me. And when I immediately emerged her, her first words were, you just regressed Mary Todd Lincoln. But after about 15 minutes as we're talking and processing, she said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I made the whole thing up. And I said, okay, why do you think that? She said, well, I've, I read a lot about Mary Todling, and there wasn't any new information there. And I said, okay, well, like, so you've read a book about her or two books? She said, no, I've read every book written on her. And I'm like, are there, are there a lot? And she said, yeah, and I said, why would you read so many books on, you know, like that? Like, that's a, a thing that you're not going to sit and read 10, 15 books on a person unless there's a reason for it, you know? She said, I keep looking for information that will, right. you know, validate it. But, you know, here's what else is interesting about that after we talked about it and, uh, you know, it's whether she was or wasn't, I still find it fascinating and interesting. And I said, well, you know, what's interesting to me is that my lineage goes back to Dr. Samuel Mudd, 
who was the physician who repaired the leg of John Wilkes Booth, who shot President Lincoln. And I just thought, wow, is there some type of ancestral healing or something happening? Like, I mean, not that there's a hypnotist on every corner, but how did how did she get to me, so to speak? And you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. And so you have confirmations that come all sorts of different ways. And mm-hmm. you really do have to see it like that. You know, all these confirmations and connections that come through the strangest things. When people, you think, like in the book, um, you know, The Soul's Journey, um, they have an actual physical place and address and all of these things that in the material world that validate it. But I don't know. Did you say that your actual physician? That that what? I missed that. It might have your come actual off. physician was somehow a descendant. My of- my mother's last name was Mud. I'm U D D, and Doctor Samuel Mud. It. it I've got two thick books of my lineage <laughs> on, uh-huh. on the Mudd family goes back to Dr. Samuel Mudd with the connection, you know, of being perhaps somehow involved knowingly or unknowingly uh, with the death of President Lincoln. That's that, what I'm saying. That is like an actual physical. Yes, that's like name. a right, right. So I, I just thought that was interesting. And, you know, in Jenny, who I was talking about earlier, after working with someone for two years, you get close. Well, you know, you and I had quite a connection, too. And finally, it's like, I, you know, I thought to myself, man, I wonder if we were together in a lo- another lifetime. And, you know, we discovered we were. We were twins in another lifetime. Are you kidding me? I know. It's it's too it's almost too much to make up. It's just it, it, there's yeah. there's, it, there's yeah. too many specifics and too many you know synchronicities and and she's another client. I mean from the minute she walked in um, I was literally just opening the box uh, of books for angel babies that had just come out. And she wasn't coming to me for past life regression. So I thought, oh, gosh, I don't want her to see this, you know. Mm-hmm. And But she did see it. And she was the first person who bought my book um, to give to her, her niece, basically, who had lost a baby. And so, you know, you just, it's interesting who we meet and, and why we meet them and you know, the, I always ask for the clients that I can help the most to find their way to my office. Those are my prayers. You know, it's just like bring me the people I can help the most, you know. So and as we were talking earlier, you know, not only the regressions, but regressing into this lifetime and uh, doing inner child work and healing that little girl within us or that little boy that, um you know, felt so alone. When you when you do that kind of work, it's powerful and it stays with you. Mm-hmm. Not to mention all of the physical fe- 
healing that I've seen that I can't explain, that nobody can explain. It's the weight that's lifted from your energetic field. It's so much dense matter, so many thoughts that are running over and over again from lifetimes and all of this energy that you're carrying that's just weighing you down. It weighs your thoughts, your organs. That's right. I mean, we we come with all of these. They may not be in the forefront, but it can get triggered and, and it comes up sometimes. Yes, yes. Yes, it does. So when it's when we Certain take it off, yeah, it's it's you do feel lighter. You feel lighter, brighter. You know, you can just like go through your day skipping almost. You know, right, right, right. And and so you know that's what the oracle deck does. The Mama Drama Trauma Healing Oracle mm-hmm. Deck. It's a daily practice of just letting go, and you get a message that really helps you live in that divine identity, Patricia. That identity that is able to transcend for a moment so that we can get the clarity, balance, and confirmation that we need, that you're okay. It doesn't feel that way right now, but here's a little clearer perspective about this particular situation in a way that encourages us lovingly to evolve in self-love and spiritual independence. You know, and so... All of these tools, I mean, they're just really, really useful. And I thank you so, so much for, um, you know, your books and the tool of regression, the tool of trips to have regressions and really ground yourself and your soul and your body again. And so many of us are looking for ways to do that. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. Ways to do it. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Patricia. And thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And it was wonderful to talk to you. And I'm just so proud of you and happy for you. And girl, you're impressive. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm happy for you, too. And good luck on all of your tours and everything. So take care. Okay. You too, Tammy. Bye-bye. Great Mother distills my voice of the Holy Spirit and Divine Mother. Cosmic womb, deep space, the moon. Dark matter, the void, the black hole, Hatter, Isis, Diana. Mommy Easter, Kylie, Mammy, and Mother Mary. I am your mother. Your terrestrial, celestial, feminine nature. I unconditionally love you. Hello, Divine One, caught in the net of your creation. You were not doomed to it. I am here to unravel and remind you, you are loved. Signs and symbols of astrology, chemistry, geology, geometry, numerology, botany, and biology. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Great Mother speaks to the humble among us. Great Mother speaks to the humble among us. the great
am great mother that stills my voice of the Holy Spirit in divine mother.